0: Welcome to Suey Generous, your unique perspective on all things related to your constitutional rights and the criminal injustice system. With Erica Merrill, I'm attorney Brian Jones, criminal defense and civil rights warrior. Today, we're gonna to be talking about the Derek Chauvin incident in Minnesota and the officers that were arrested and charged in the George Floyd murder in segment one. And in segment two, we're going to be talking about qualified immunity. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, make sure you subscribe on your channel of choice. Also look to tlobj.com and all of our social media outlets, at tlobj on all your social media channels for more information about your civil rights and the criminal injustice system. So Erica, this week, two, three additional officers were arrested and charged criminally for the homicide of George Floyd. Did you see this in the news?
1: I've been following the story uh, here and there. And I mean, we, we did talk about it last week, but that is pretty interesting that they have all been charged. Are the charges about the
0: same? So we talked a few weeks ago about the distinction between felony murder and aiding and abetting in relation to the Ahmad Arbery case. These individual officers have been charged with aiding and abetting Derek Chauvin in the homicide of George Floyd. So in this case, uh, they're charged with essentially complicity in his murder. This is a really difficult topic for me as a defense attorney because on the one hand, I'm always looking at uh, these sorts of incidents from the defendant's perspective. You know, is this the right charge? Can the government prove these charges? But of course, we're also civil rights attorneys here at the Law Office of Brian Jones. And so we look at this situation and, and how it's affected George Floyd, and we see time and time again how police officers have trampled people's constitutional rights. And so it's, it's a really conflicting situation for me.
1: Yeah, I can see where that would be conflicting. I mean, we, we need great police officers. We really do. And unfortunately, in situations like this, you know, police, good police officers are going to be hurt because of the bad decisions of a few police officers in, in one incident here and there. I mean, I know there seem to be a lot, but when you think about the amount of police officers there are, um, it's a very small percentage of, uh, of bad cops.
0: It it really is, Erica, and as we talked about last week, the lack of reporting requirements imposed on all police officers to weed out and stand up to the officers that engage in the misconduct, in my opinion, is the, the biggest issue when it comes to really reforming police departments across the nation. The good officers want to come forward and they want to hold these people accountable because in all honesty, the bad apples put the rest of the department at risk. Now in this case, uh, Derek Chauvin's charges were also elevated from third degree murder, uh, which is a recklessness standard to second degree murder, which is the intentional killing of the victim. Now, in this case, in the third degree murder situation, the act itself was a voluntary act. When we elevate it to the second degree murder, there's an additional level of intent that the government has to prove. So the the government has taken on an additional burden with regards to the Derek Chauvin case and added these additional uh, defendants, which we all know of course is often a tactic that prosecutors use to leverage uh, witnesses against other co-defendants.
1: Wow, this seems like it's going to be a very interesting case to see how they punish these officers. Um, you know what I thought was so interesting is last week, you made a great point when you were talking about the whistle clause that um, attorneys have to abide by and that is just where you say something if you see something, right? And you are held accountable if you don't if you're keeping secrets about an attorney that is has some wrongdoing um you're gonna get in trouble as well and you know i thought that was a really great point and i know we're going to talk about this uh this more but i mean do you think that they're going to to put something like this together for
0: police officers i think getting past the unions, the police officer unions, and modifying their union contracts is going to be a huge impediment to adding that whistleblower clause to police officer uh, employment agreements. Um, Just this week, Governor DeWine here in Ohio announced his interest and support for a licensing and professional independent review board to police the police. Now, this is one step towards having more accountability for police officers. And it could mean removing the bad cops from police office, police forces permanently, um, especially in, in these sorts of situations. Now, if they add that whistleblower clause, I would applaud it wholeheartedly. But the reality is, is that the, the police officer unions, the Fraternal Order of Police and, and organizations of the like are going to fight back really hard against adding those protections for citizens. Now, teachers, doctors, lawyers, social workers, psychologists, all of these professions have these sorts of review boards in place. Police officers, in my opinion, should be held to that same standard. Now, the board that uh, Governor DeWine has proposed would include a review of officers who have been involved in past shootings and past incidents of violence, and could be a potentially huge development for families of victims who have, uh, I'm sorry, families of victims who have been victims of police misconduct and police violence.
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think that's fantastic. It sounds like that's at least a step in the right direction. They weren't considering that before. And I know it's probably going to be an uphill battle, it sounds like, but you know, really we need something in place because as you pointed out last week, it's really going to help protect the police officers themselves. I mean, right now we've got, um, everybody is raging against the machine out there. There's a lot of protesting going on. There's a lot of looting and violence and fires and people getting hurt. And, and that includes police officers because you know, they're just gonna lash out at any police officer they see, even though that police officer had nothing to do with the incident that they are upset about.
0: That's absolutely correct, Erica. And I'm sure that this is gonna be a topic that we're gonna be covering frequently in the coming weeks.
1: I agree with you. I think that this is going to be in the news for a very long time. And it seems like these incidents are coming fast and furious. We've, we have one on the heels of another on the heels of another.
0: It, it seems like every few weeks we have another one of these incidents where a minority individual is brutalized by the police. And in the last two weeks, it seems like it's almost an everyday occurrence that we get a new video of police misconduct, um, you know, abuse of power, abuse of authority, and abuse physically of the people here in America. Um, Let's turn to our featured topic this week, which is uh, piggybacking on our topic from last week. Um, Last week, we discussed how law enforcement officers are held accountable for their misconduct. And this week we're gonna be talking about qualified immunity um, and how that applies to police officers' civil liability for their misconduct. One of the pieces that we discussed last week.
1: Wow, qualified immunity is a really great topic right now uh, because police officers are usually given qualified immunity and so, I mean, maybe you can refresh everyone on you know what exactly it is and and i know that it it came about a long time ago uh with a certain case.
0: yeah erica and it was a 1982 case decided by the united states supreme court called harlow versus fitzgerald the the supreme court decided that because government officials have to perform discretionary functions you know they have to make day-to-day decisions Um, and these decisions often affect people's civil rights, the Supreme Court said, we're gonna put up a shield from general civil liability so that their conduct, even though it may violate an individual's civil rights in that moment, um, they have to have essentially prior notice that their conduct is going to be volatile of clearly established civil or constitutional rights, which any reasonable person in that position would know. Um, it was presented as a defense theory. Uh, this was not written by any, uh, it was, wasn't by law by Congress, it wasn't written in law by any state legislature, it was just a theory and an idea put forth by a defense team in response to a civil suit under section 1983 of the United States Code. Now that statute allows citizens and, and non-citizens alike to bring civil suits for a violation of constitutional rights um, under the United States code. It is an incredibly broad concept, Erica. Um, and it was, it was broadened in Maley versus Briggs in 1986. It, that case expanded qualified immunity and provides ample protection to all but the plainly incompetent or those who knowingly violate the law. So what what the Mailey v. Briggs case decided is that civil servants, police officers, all the way up to your county recorder have to be so terrible at their job that any, any average person knowing absolutely nothing about the position would know that they had screwed up or the plaintiff has to prove an intentional violation of their civil rights.
1: Wow, that sounds like they get an awful lot of leeway, and it sounds like a recipe for someone taking advantage of a clause like that. I mean, someone would argue that even the highest office in the land is is taking advantage of some of these things. Not to get too political, <laughs> but I mean, I can see where this this can happen, and there's a lot of officials out there.
0: There are, and the application of qualified immunity uh, varies in its scope and breadth based on what department you're talking about. Now, in in our subject today, law enforcement officers, they've been granted very broad immunity for their conduct for a very long time. The president has an even broader qualified immunity and um, his liability, you know, the president has said openly, He believes that he could walk out in the middle of Times Square, commit murder and get away with. Now, whether that's the standard of the law or not, that's his belief and there are millions of people in America who would agree with him and agree that that should be the case because of the discretion that has to be exercised in his case, in his position. And one would hope that,
1: I did hear him say that, uh, and one would hope that someone with that position is going to have such a high morality and and want to do so much for the people and you know do the right thing and yeah you know, unfortunately I know in politics power corrupts people and it, it doesn't always happen. We have had good leaders out there that you know would never do anything or or say even say anything like that.
0: And that's You've hit the nail on the head as far as the policy behind qualified immunity. The policy is that everybody in government is essentially a political actor. Now they have their own motivations for engaging in behavior the way that their policy beliefs should be carried out. But the theory is that public servants are servants and that when they act, they act in the interests of the public. You know, as the Harlow court explained, qualified immunity doesn't just protect public servants from the expenses of litigation, but it also ensures that the stresses of litigation won't divert official energy from the pressing public issues that those uh, public servants have to address. And the concern about being sued won't deter ready and able citizens from the acceptance of public office. Qualified immunity, as we discussed, applies really broadly, not just to police officers. So across the board, um, all of our government agencies have to take discretionary actions every day. And if they make a, a mistake, you know, if you talk about a private corporation, a private company that makes a mistake, they can be sued for that mistake and be required to pay monetary damages for it. And that monetary award not only has the price tag of the damages itself, but all the costs associated with the litigation, the legal fees, um, and the time taken away from that corporation's true purpose which is, you know, to make widgets or provide, you know, public services.
1: Yeah, it's very stressful to be sued, for sure, over and over again. You can't do anything if you're thinking about all of these problems, and not to mention the lost sleep and, you know, becoming incredibly ineffective at your job.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly it. And so the qualified immunity doctrine was accepted by the courts and has now become law to support that notion that people shouldn't have to be afraid every time they make a discretionary decision that it's going to be second-guessed by some plaintiff. Um, And they're gonna have an onslaught of constant lawsuits that could honestly bankrupt any public institution um, and certainly costs us as taxpayers money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So looking at all of this, I'm just curious as to like, how do you think that's going to affect the case that we're talking about here with Derek Chauvin?
0: So in, in this case, there'll be briefing, there'll be case law arguments and, and oral testimony in the form of hearings if this case goes to trial. I would guess in the civil aspect of, of this case, uh, George Floyd's civil lawsuit against these individual officers potentially, certainly the Minneapolis Police Department, um, this is a case that's likely going to settle out of court. However, a lot of cases don't settle out of court and victims of police violence have to bring lawsuits and have to litigate these things in court. And that can be a very long process. Um, Ultimately, after the briefing, the case law, the arguments, a decision from the court will come down. Now, if that decision um, either rules in favor of or against qualified immunity, either party can immediately appeal that decision to the court of appeals. And that further delays the litigation. These cases can stretch out two, three, four, five years before the actual facts of the case ever see the inside of a courtroom in front of a jury who's supposed to decide the merits of the cases.
1: Wow, that is amazing. And you know, it sounds like it could be a very long time before justice is served in this case. So it- Looking at that, like, what do you think they could change to make this process better and more fair?
0: Well, first and foremost, new laws can be written limiting qualified immunity and changing it um, through through the legislative process. It could be modified by a court's rejection of the interpretation of the statutes that have been enacted Um, since those cases that we discussed were decided by the United States Supreme Court. Now, it would require a decision by the United States Supreme Court to modify um, those those statutes and the prior decisions of the Supreme Court. Right now, there are several cases pending in the United States Supreme Court that are hoping to be called for their day in front of the justices so that plaintiffs can argue for a a clawing back of qualified immunity. Take for example, the case of property damage outlined in uh, Vox recently. Um, in that article, they, they did an expose of a case where an innocent woman who had never committed any crime had her house ransacked, her property destroyed, her television, her couch, um, all of her drawers turned out, various items of property broken and, and her house is an absolute shambles because the police thought that uh, a felon was hiding out in her house, and they were wrong about that. Mm. They really should have known that they were wrong about that, but they decided to ransack her house anyways. Now, Erica, I don't know about you, but when I'm looking for one of my kids who are hiding from me in the house, I don't look inside my television for my kids. You know, I don't look inside my underwear drawer for my kids hiding in the underwear drawer. I right. don't have well, to rip apart my couch.
1: Right. That. This big anymore? You found the the machine to get them? Okay, good. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. You know, we don't we don't have to destroy our property to find a person hiding inside of a house.
1: I just rewatched Honey, I Shrunk the Kids recently, so <laughs> when you said that, it it just you know dawned on me that that would be the only reason to look through the drawers.
0: Well, and, you know, they may be riding ants through the backyard as well, but I don't think the police need to kick over the anthill to find the suspect that they're looking for. I agree. <laughs> That's a great movie, by the way.
1: I know. Uh, I just had Maisie watch it, and then we ended up watching the whole series. I hadn't seen the other two, and they were all so much fun. She's She had a great time with that. For those of you who don't know, we both have... Younger kids, so <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of parallels to what, we're, what we uh, we talk about with when it comes to home life.
0: Absolutely, and you know these sorts of analogies are really great ways to explain to your friends and colleagues, um, you know how these legal principles work. Because the reality is, the law is a written down version of what common sense should be and the way that people should behave and act towards one another.
1: Absolutely and you know it's it's so disrespectful to go in and and do that to somebody's house when they did nothing wrong and then not pay to have it put back together.
0: That's right and in in that in that particular case they gave that woman $900 and said go away.
1: Oh my gosh that is awful. I would be so angry.
0: Well, she's angry enough to pursue it to the United States Supreme Court.
1: Well, I wish her a lot of luck because, you know, we all know that cleaners ain't cheap.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Erica, I really wanna thank you for joining us. Um, Make sure that if you're looking for more information about the Derek Chauvin case, the murder of uh, George Floyd or qualified immunity or any other topic, check out our website tlobj.com or find us on social media at tlobj on twitter instagram TikTok, and of course we've got a facebook page as well we'll be back next week with sui generis's perspective on the next big thing in civil rights and criminal justice as well as a discussion of a whole new topic related to criminal defense and constitutional rights i want everybody to remember no walk no talk no blow when you're out there. And don't do anything I wouldn't do. But if you do and you get caught, call us. We'll defend your rights as we would want ours defended.